Amen. That song is from Isaiah 6, as you know. Before he said, here I am, Lord, send me, he admitted the holiness of God and saw his own sin in his own heart, and that's where we begin is with the gospel. A deep understanding of the gospel motivates our church to go to the mission field. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Pastor Kurt Beacons from Maranatha Bible Church. I grew up on the north side of town and I'm very thankful to be here again with you all. I wanted to start out by just saying that Christine and I, we were missionaries in Croatia for a little over three years. And many people ask, what brought us to Croatia? And usually I reply by saying a plane. <laughs> but then I, then I say what we just sang. It's a deep love for Jesus who saved me and the good news of salvation from sin that saved many of you as well. His gospel goes into all the world because so many people don't know that good news. They haven't heard. It's been cloaked by the veil of false religion. It's been been guarded by governments that that protect its people from the truth. And so today, Wayne mentioned a number of statistics. I'm going to give you a few more because his statistics were from 19 years ago, so I have statistics that are a little bit more updated. There's about 8 billion people in the world today, and in just 25 years, that'll reach 10 billion. Around 70% of the world will become urban before we know it. The world's population, as it grows, our population will live more and more in cities. And so just like Paul's strategy to go to specific places, our strategy too will be to locate those places that we can best infiltrate societies with the gospel to change souls. I'm grateful for the the ministries of compassion. At the end of Matthew 9, when Jesus looks out at the crowds, before he, he says to the disciples to pray, he sees the people and he feels compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. There are many problems in the world that we can point to and say, that's why we need missions, because of a lack of God's glory, because of a lack of worship, because of a lack of spiritual leadership over their lives, because of a lack of churches faithfully proclaiming the gospel. He says to his disciples, then the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. About two billion of the world's population don't even have access to somebody who could tell them the gospel. Because if every believer, true believer in the world, were to tell everyone that they have access to about the gospel, there would still be those who didn't get to hear that day. Over three billion individuals live with very few, if any, believers in their midst. Many people are categorized in populations, Wayne mentioned people groups. They have their own culture, their own language, their own kind of subset of uh, ways to live. They're unique groups called people groups. And there's about 17,000 groups that have been categorized in this way. Almost 7,000 of them are classified as unreached. They don't have enough resources, people, access to the Bible. Philippians 2, 10 through 11 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's nearly 7,000 languages in our world. 7,000. Papua New Guinea, the country of Papua New Guinea, a little island next to Indonesia, where is it, Nate? Uh, Tiffany's there, okay. 840 spoken languages in the country of Papua New Guinea. Of the 7,000 languages in the world, 1,860 languages have zero scripture 
in their own language. No written revelation that God has given you and me in dozens of translations. Nigeria, they have 285 people groups. That represents about 8 million people whose primary language does not have Bible portions available. Nigeria is an interesting country because they're, they're greatly divided. Geographically, there's Muslims in the north, Christians in the south, and yet there's a great need among the peoples in the north to hear the gospel. The largest group without any scripture portions in their primary language is the Jin Chinese of China, 48 million people. No scripture. No scripture. It's been estimated that there are 460,000 villages in India with no known Christian presence. 87% of all Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims have little contact, if any, with Christians. You say, what about technology? Isn't technology making inroads for the gospel? Yes, and with resources like the Jesus Project and radio ministry and audio Bibles, the word has gone forth, but over 40% of the world doesn't even have good internet access. So we can't rely on technology alone to deliver the goods, to bring the message of Jesus Christ. We need people to go. You say, what about those missionaries? People do go. Yes, they are going, especially from countries like China now. China has the most Christians in the world now because they have the biggest population or more people to, to draw from. But uh, praise God that so many people have responded to God's calling and, and for some to go into the world to preach the gospel. But one of the most significant statistics that's grabbed my heart since I was 17 and responded to that call to go to the mission field was that over 90% of long-term mission work is done among people groups that are largely reached. And less than 10% of all missionaries work among those unreached people groups. It's challenging. It's challenging in more reached countries to be a, uh, a, a, a sent one, a, a missionary on mission for Christ because there are difficulties, there's language learning, there's cultural barriers. You have to raise your kids in a foreign land. And yet... The Lord promised in his great commission that he would be with us to the end of the age, and so people do go, and we do need to send, and we do need to get people from different places married, from serving in other places, and send them back out there because the gospel is in dire need in those places. Well, those statistics are fascinating. How fascinating a world that has need. We've known that the world has need since Genesis 3. And the Bible tells us, better than statistics, why we do missions. We do missions not because of compelling statistics. We do, Bible. We do missions because our Lord told us and sent us to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them. The truth matters. We need to teach those disciples in foreign places, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There's a comfort. There's an authority given. There is a task. There is baptism. So real, legitimate disciples identify with Christ. That's one of the most exciting things about missions. I don't know if you've been overseas, if you've visited churches. I love Baptism Sunday. I love to see saints say, I'm with Christ. I forsake the world and all it has to offer. I'm with Christ now. And in some places, that means they give up everything. And you know, it will cost you everything to follow Christ but the reward is great. In the Old Testament, we know that Israel was tasked with being a light to the nations. Psalm 86, 9 says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. 
shall glorify your name. The nations were always meant to be reached. In the New Testament, at the cross, all now have access. And that's what we want to talk about today in Romans chapter 10, the, that the good news is for all. You've probably heard the great commandment, love God, love people, the great commission, which I just read in Mark 16. Mark tells us that Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Very simple, preach the gospel everywhere. Acts 1.8, the disciples, the apostles would receive power of the Holy Spirit, and then you shall be my witnesses. We have a testimony. We have a story to tell. So we go and we tell it. We tell it among the neighbors in our neighborhoods, in your neighborhoods, our family members, our coworkers, our, our, our classmates. We tell the people on the, on the rough side of town. We, we cross barriers. We do the difficult thing because they need to hear the gospel. We go to even the ends of the earth, the remotest parts of the earth. And I got to tell you, I have a friend. His name is Brian. And he went literally to the ends of the earth. There is a, a mountain range in Papua New Guinea, and it's called the Finisterre Mountain Range. Literally, Finisterre means ends of the earth. He went to the ends of the earth. Witnesses of Christ's transform work in our hearts, they'll go the extra mile because lives matter. Acts shows us how the word spread and how these disciples on mission for Christ, the word spread, disciples were multiplied, churches were formed. This is essential. We don't just evangelize the lost, although that's essential. We also gather them together into healthy churches. We talked a few weeks ago about what the church is. They're gathered disciples who worship and glorify the Lord together. And then leaders are raised up, elders appointed, and we train up, and then we send out again. We gather together so that we can scatter amongst the world. It's like what Jesus prayed in, in John 17. I've, I've called them out of the world, and then I send them back in. Go back into the world. Not to be among the world, but just to be in it. We're strangers and sojourners, and our lives, our, our living testimonies, and our words, the light of the gospel comes forth out of our mouth, and that's what saves. All right. Before Christ, the mission was always to reach the nations. After Christ, we see more clearly in Christ salvation for the whole world is available that's the task that remains today. Romans 10 is the text that I want to focus on. Uh, it's a text that really has been on my heart for 20 plus years, the reason why I so badly want to see the nations come to Christ. In the book of Revelation, we see the marriage supper of the Lamb, that everyone's going to be there. Everyone's he's called. And they're all going to say, worthy is the lamb from, from everywhere. I don't want to be a part of that. So it gets me excited what Romans 10 says about it's not just for the nation of Israel. It's also for everyone. Let's, let's read together. In fact, because it's Missions Week, I'm going to stretch your culture. We're going to stand in reading God's word as we would in Croatia. Okay, If you're able to. Stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17 from Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, the Jews, is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, 
to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction, praise God, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the words of Christ. You may be seated. Praise be to God for the reading of his word. This morning, I want us to appreciate five things from mainly verses 9 through 17. Five elements of salvation that go to the ends of the earth and that motivate us as a church to participate in global outreach. Five elements of salvation to the ends of the earth. The first one in verse 9 and 10 is an exclusive faith in Jesus Christ. We all appreciate the faith that God has given us. By his grace, it's a gift. People around the world, they have many ideas of God the state of man, what to do with their life. Hinduism says that there are infinite manifestations of God. Man is reincarnated, and they believe that their actions in this life determine what their next life is going to be like. So they work hard to follow religious rites and make this life and the next one better. And you have New Age spirituality coming out of the East and they believe that we are God, and they promote good in all so that they can just minimize pain in this life. And some of these you're going to notice, they might try to answer some questions, but they fail to answer others. Buddhism, it's not true that they worship Buddha as God. They don't believe in any gods but they believe the teachings of Buddha that there's no God and people should just purify their own heart and, and let go of yourself and, and have existential ideas through rituals and meditations. Again, Islam is the religion of Muslims. They teach that there is one supreme deity, mostly a God of anger and wrath in their understanding, who's worshipped through good deeds and they discipline themselves. They have religious rites to appease their God. Atheism is a religion. It's a way of thought that they follow to the, to the uttermost. They simply deny God or any kind of deity and live very pragmatically. Oftentimes, at the end of the day, you, what comes out is they're living for self and uh, at best, humanism, to, to make the world a better place. Christianity, however, teaches that God is an infinite and personal triune God who created everything very good. And because man is desperately wicked since the fall of man, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. There's no unrighteous, not one. What hope do we have except for the grace of God who sent the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, into the world, became man, lived a perfect life, died in our place so that we might be not just saved from sin, but become adopted into his family, heirs with God. There's great hope for humanity in Jesus Christ. 
verse 9 and 10, show that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. It's one of the problems with religion. If you don't have an answer to the human problem in Jesus, that he is our substitute and that he was raised from the dead, giving us eternal hope, then you'll go looking for something else. And that's what it gets at in verses 6 and 7. Maybe that's confusing to say in your uh, heart, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Nobody needs to go to heaven. Nobody needs to go anywhere and find a substitute, a different, sorry, not a substitute in the way I'm talking about salvation, but an alternate Savior. There's no other way. There's no other way. You can't go to heaven and ask God for a different way to save sinners from their sin. And there's, there's no way you can go down into the abyss to bring Christ up. He's already resurrected. We already have that hope. We don't need to go looking for it elsewhere. And that's the message the world gets to hear too, is that God of the Bible revealed himself in his son in these last days, and we have everything we need for life and godliness. We have everything we need to understand the, the human problem, where we came from, where we're going, the meaning of it all, and we have great joy in the process of living for him. Only in Jesus, truly God, truly man, can man find hope, comfort, forgiveness, peace with God. All people are striving for something better. They're looking, they're searching. They want their best life now. They want to have strength. They want to deal with evil in the world around them. Only in Jesus can we find that eternal peace only in Jesus can we have right standing before a God who perfectly deals with sin and justice. Just like Romans 8 says, in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's no reason to feel guilty because you have been cleared. What we saw for over three years in Croatia was predominantly Roman Catholicism. It's their predominant religion. They believe in God and his salvation plus rules, plus regulations, plus Mary as co-redeemer, plus the uncertainty of salvation because we just don't know if we've tried hard enough in this life to do those things which we need to do, plus idol worship, plus praying to the saints, plus the authority issue of what if Scripture says this and the church is saying this. And it's all quite sad, and it's all quite real when you're standing at a graveside with people you care about, and they're wailing like there's no hope, because there wasn't. They're just like the Israelites in verses 1, 2, 3, 4. They had a zeal for God. People want to know about the bigger picture. They may have a zeal for God, but they are religiously prideful and saying no. Not knowing God's righteousness, they're spiritually blind. The world is spiritually blind to the realities of God. They're self-righteous and not subject themselves, put themselves under God's authority. They're stubborn, unyieldingly like the nation of Israel who did not see their Messiah as the fulfillment of the law. But yes, Christ is the end of the law. Matthew said that in chapter 5. He's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Paul tells us here in Romans 10 that salvation comes through an internal confession who Christ is, and that's what we go to the nations to tell them about, is Jesus. In Jesus alone, can they know God and be saved from their sin, and that's the focus also for the mission endeavor. You bring Christ. We bring Christ into every ministry that we do here in the States. Why would we do it different there? We have compassion on people because their souls are at stake. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, because there's no salvation in any other name. 
It's the exclusive claim. It's a narrow way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is Lord, is the confession we communicate to the nations and your neighbors. What are the implications? This should be a great encouragement. The exclusive claims of the gospel are very simple, very clear. It's in Christ alone that we communicate how to be saved. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead after he died in our place. And he is truly God and truly man. I didn't mention cults among the world religions. This is a huge problem. The, the religions that, that get it wrong, that twist the truth, that make Jesus into less than man or less than God. It can't be. If he's less than man, he didn't really die as a substitute for sinners like us. If he's less than God, he really has no power over the grave and no power to save. Cults need the gospel. We need to go to Utah. We need to go to our Jehovah's Witness friends and tell them he is God, capital G. Should give us great encouragement because while over 80% of the world is subscribing to beliefs, that they need to earn their salvation. We know that Christ earned that salvation once for all. Preach it. Preach it. Second, the global need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved, verses 11 through 13. Those who believe in him won't be disappointed. There's no distinction between Jews and Gentiles. He's Lord of all. There's riches for all, everyone who calls all, 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 everywhere, everybody needs the gospel. Hallelujah. We have to be careful. We don't just go to those places we think are the greatest need. There are also people in places like France, places like Germany, even Brazil that's very reached. The U.S. has places where people aren't hearing the gospel in full truth. So we go with the message of salvation to everyone. Then he says in a negative way in, in verse 11, they won't be disappointed, those who believe. And then he says it in a positive way, that all who, all who believe there are great riches for. So they won't be disappointed, and there are great riches. We need to in missions, encourage the, the consequences of not believing and the great reward of following our Lord. There's a geographic element here to these verses. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. This basically covers all classes. Plainly, the good news of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is for Jews, it's for everyone else as well. It includes the Greeks, the Gentiles, the entire population of all those who are not Israel. Gentiles need salvation. Jews need salvation. Germans, Mexicans, people from Iran and Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Barbados, Bangladesh, Nepal, North Korea, the Gaza Strip, they all need to hear the message of Christ and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And there's no distinction of those who need to hear it. Jews need salvation. Muslims need salvation. Atheists need salvation. They need to hear that God redeemed them and gave them a hope. Handicapped people need to confess Christ as Lord. Well people, tall people, short people, Everyone needs to hear the gospel. All classes of people, all locations around the world, in big cities and in rural places. And they need to call on his name. This is a way of saying they have such genuine faith within themselves that they couldn't help but cry out to their greatest need, the one who is able to save. This is not a new concept to call on the name of the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 116.2 says, Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. We 
don't just go to the nations and bring a gospel that converts people over to our religion. We're making disciples of Christ who continually obey Christ and call on him as long as they live. What are the implications here? We do evangelism at home. We don't just go to the nations. We don't just give our money to to those missionaries halfway around the world who are faithful in what they're doing. We also go right across the street and we talk to our neighbor and we tell them how God's transformed our lives. We cross the tracks. We go everywhere because everywhere has needs. And God will be faithful. He will not always save everyone you talk to, but he will be faithful to bring scripture to mind that you've put in your heart so that they will hear. Pray. Pray for those who have no gospel witness. Pray for missions. Be the change like the shirt. Send Bible translators. See churches formed. Go and help a missionary on the field. Encourage them. Go to your friend. Encourage them to consider Christ. Well, it's, it's a global endeavor that we bring the gospel of Jesus Christ exclusively. It's also a beautiful sending of gospel preachers. In 14 and 15 is a series of questions. How can any of this happen unless someone goes and tells them, right? They got to hear the message. They can't just wake up one day and it's, it's in their mind. That's not how God revealed himself to us. He used He used those people in our life. And each of you have a story of who helped you understand the gospel so clearly. This is the essence of missions. We all need salvation from our sin, from separation from God. It's a beautiful message. It says at the end of 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things, quoting from Isaiah. Isaiah is the prophet of salvation. It's like the fifth gospel. Isaiah 52, he knows not that feet are beautiful. They're actually quite ugly and dirty. And Yeah, we're not going to all compare, take off our shoes and compare our feet. That's not the point. It's the intentional action of those who actually go, actually say the truth that needs to be said, actually open the word with somebody and show them Christ. In the Gospel of John, believers, they must have heard the truth of God somewhere. If they're going to call on the name of the Lord, they have to believe. It has to come from within. And if it came from within, they they must have heard it to get something in there. And if they got something in, someone told them. If they told them something, someone sent them, right? So working... Working through this, believing, people don't call on the name of the Lord if, unless they believe. They have genuine faith, faith that's real, faith that's lasting. They truly trust God and the way that he provided for them. Hearing, this is the simple way people receive information, but it's more than that because what he's getting at here is not just a simple reception. Everyone hears something. I mean, there's billboards that you can read John 3.16, especially in the South, it doesn't mean that just because they heard, now they believe. It's an understanding of the way that God has communicated his salvation to us. Hearing isn't enough. Words don't get you invited to the marriage supper. You can't show up and say, well, I heard it. I heard it. I mean, they were preaching at me. and say, do I know you? Do we have a relationship? There has to be a clear understanding of the ins and outs, of the nature of God, the offense of our sin, the great dependence we need God for, the person and work of Christ. Who is Jesus to you? I mean, that means everything. Otherwise, the, the Mormon in Utah and me are basically the same. We both believe that God does exist, that Jesus does exist. The demons believe in God, and they... They're terrified of him. makes no difference. Salvation is found in Christ alone, and so only the Spirit of God is going to aliven dead hearts 
from hearing to understanding. And so we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would do a great work on the mission field. The preacher, this is fairly important. We need effective preachers to be sent who can clearly convey man's need and in a way that they, they are heard. So we need, we need people who are very gifted in communication, in Bible translation, in helping those Bible translators and preachers. So we need elder work on the mission field and deacon work on the mission field. They both have to go. We need, we need people to be involved in missions who are capable and in healthy places of growing in the Lord. In Acts 13, we don't need to turn there, but the church prayed and fasted and the Holy Spirit set apart Paul and Barnabas to go. You send your best. There were elders in the church, Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles. They sent their best. If you're thinking about missions, start studying the word. Start reading books. Maybe go to Bible school. Be well trained so that you have a deep well to draw from when people are thirsty for righteousness. And then there's the sending. You can't have a preacher there if there's not one already, so you gotta get them there. You gotta mobilize. Logically, it follows that they need to go, and the church is those who sent them. Missions is absolutely focused on the local church. You don't do it outside of it. The local church sometimes uses outside entities, agencies, programs, vehicles to mobilize, support, and encourage those missionaries. But it's the church. That's God's program from the beginning. That's what he established. That's what he promised. Local churches send missionaries to gather people into local churches that send people out to multiply local churches. And in that way, they're like little lights in the darkness on the hills. And pretty soon, the light grows brighter because the gospel is preached in those churches and among those people. The church prepares preachers who move their feet. They got beautiful feet because they moved. <laughs> they moved their feet in the direction of the billions and billions of lost souls who need them. So send them. We'll work backwards. You got to send the preacher. The preacher preaches the word of Christ clearly so that they understand because everyone needs to hear the truth and some who hear the truth are given the gift of faith and in turn they believe in Jesus. They confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and they call on him to be saved and they live for him. God's heart extends beyond the Jews to all people and it's beautiful that we send people as you are. God didn't send a TikTok message or a Facebook post into the world. He sent his son. He came. He became one of us, lived among us. Incarnational ministry is essential for missions. And the church was born and the church continues to grow because preachers went, preached the gospel the word of God was glorified and spread. I want to turn over to Acts chapter 13. After Paul and Barnabas went out and they went to various cities and they were mugged and robbed and persecuted all along the way and the Lord provided for them. It says in Acts 13, I'm just going to read three verses. At the end of Acts 13, They, their mission strategy was to go to the synagogues first and then to preach to the Gentiles after they got rejected. And it says in Acts 13.46, Paul and Barnabas, they spoke out boldly and said, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first since you repudiate it. You judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, they believed. That's what the word of God does. And the word of the Lord is being spread through the whole region. 
Move down to 52. And the disciples were continually filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. The implications here are that the word of God would spread amongst our, our own neighborhoods, that we would pray for Wyoming, Michigan, that we would pray for Kelloggsville and the communities that go to the school just across the street. The implications here are that we would pray for well-equipped missionaries to go and that we would send them well on their way that we would consider going and helping and maybe even staying and encouraging them, supporting them. Here's the sadness, verse 16. Back to, back to Romans 10. Verse 16, he quotes from Isaiah again. However, they did not all heed the good news. Lord, who has believed our report? That's the sadness is we go and there are many hard hearts, just as there are here. Many will say, not interested, don't believe it. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. It doesn't jive with my way of life. I, they just reject, reject, reject. It's interesting here, he said, they did not heed the good news. Or maybe yours says obey or, or follow and so obeying the good news is identified very closely with believing the word. People around the world, they hear the good news, they don't accept it, and they disobey it. First Peter 2 says that they don't, they don't believe in the cornerstone because of their because they find Jesus to be a stumbling stone, a stumbling block, a rock of offense, and they stumble because they're disobedient to the word. They hear the message and they disobey it. So the word of God commands that all be saved, that all follow him, that they worship him, that they give him the glory and honor and praise and splendor and, and might that he is due, and they disobey it. They disobey it just as they were also appointed. But not all disobey. We know that that's the great hope of the gospel, that some are being saved. Some are being saved. And we can't follow the trends. We have to be careful in missions that we don't say, well, we've heard of this ministry in India where three out of every four are, are putting their trust in Christ. Numbers are dangerous because we can shift our attention away to some other really needed ministries. And so we can't, we can't follow the trends. We can't follow the numbers and say we're only going to do what is successful from our perspective. Uh, in a sense, we, we write our business models into missions. If, if he said to go, and he said to go everywhere, and he said to preach the gospel to all creatures, then that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be faithful. Jeremiah wasn't heard. Isaiah wasn't heard. We have to have a ministry mindset globally that says we're going to preach the gospel even when people reject it. And the Lord will be glorified in our faithfulness, not in our numbers or successes. Be faithful, follow the word, not the numbers. All right, this stubborn disobedience, it doesn't affect God's plan for salvation to those who do believe. They don't heed it, they don't obey it. Just like we saw in Croatia, there's a great giant veil of, veil of religion over their, their eyes dis disguising who Christ is keeping them from a true understanding of Christ and Christ alone. People reject or held accountable. We continue to preach to them because the Lord knows and God's spirit is stronger than their hearts oftentimes. So we pray and we plead and they may find Jesus offensive, but for those who are being saved, Christ is precious and valuable. 
And we pray that they would see that. Missions communicates those excellencies of God to everybody despite whether or not they will accept it. And we can't change our gospel so that they accept what we're saying because then we've changed the message. Careful. Here's the message. Verse 17. Let's go right along. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Just to summarize everything. It's God's word. The saving power of salvation comes through God's word. Missions communicates the excellencies of him who transformed your life, and it communicates it to somebody who has not yet been transformed so that they might be. And maybe your life is still a work in progress, but if you have understood the gospel, read your Bibles, share your testimony with somebody else. You may be in a struggle, but they need to hear the gospel. The word of Christ is what they need to hear from the preacher, and by it, they'll confess Jesus as Lord and call on the name of the Lord and, and be saved. The world is searching for answers, how life began and what the meaning of everything is, the problem of sin, what happens after death and eternal life. And Christian missions is that endeavor to preach the word of Christ. In it, we find salvation to every people, to every place, in order to see people follow him and identify in the waters of baptism to establish healthy churches that will multiply and carry on that mission of, that, that mission of equipping and training and sending. I'm going to read from Revelation 5. Revelation 5.9, this is John receiving a vision from the Lord. What's happening in heaven as they're singing a new song, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals? For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign upon the earth. And then the song continues, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And that's what we do. We preach the word to all peoples everywhere so that he'll receive all the glory in the end. I can't tell you how joyful it's going to be to see Croatian brothers and sisters and people from New Zealand and people from Papua New Guinea and people from Nepal and people from Nigeria sitting at the Lord's table with us celebrating the lamb that was slain for each of us without distinction. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. So we need to keep praying. Here's some ways that we as a church can be involved. We can pray for more workers, pray for the situations you see in the world, pray for the Lord's growth in his timing, send more workers be involved as, as Antioch was with Paul and Barnabas' ministry. Read the updates, yes, but email them. Give them an encouraging note. Encourage them uh, in, in, their, in their parenting. They're, they might be trying to raise kids. They might be trying to navigate relationships. Encourage them as they go. And also support. Third John tells us that we ought to support such people so that we may prove to be fellow workers with the truth. That's what we are. We're working together with other bond servants in Christ Jesus who are preaching the gospel there while we're preaching the gospel here. We're going to do it together for his glory. Could somebody get the kids so that we can rattle the things and, uh, and do that? And I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, just thanking him for, for his mission. Lord in heaven... Oh, you are, you're so gracious to save us, knowing where we truly stand with you, so far from you. We had such wicked hearts so many, in so many ways, Lord. We pray that you would save more, that you would send more, more, Lord. I 
just keeps coming up in my mind this morning that you would do more, not because more is needed than what you're already doing. We trust you, Lord, but because we have such a heart for the billions of people who are headed on the road of destruction. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in people's hearts so that they would be snatched out of the fire, that you would have mercy on those, that all of their their sins, all of their, their flesh, that you would make that clear to them and that by the power of your spirit, you would open their eyes to the reality of Jesus Christ alone having power over their sin, that you would transform hearts by the power of your gospel. Lord, your, your word is living and active. It cuts straight through the heart. We, we pray, Lord, that our Bibles would be the strongest sword we wield in our life and that we would, we would do a mighty work, be on the defense, yes, but that our, our Bibles would be in our hearts and on our mouth, that we would often confess Jesus as Lord to the watching world. We pray for the missionaries of the pier, for the the message that they bring, that it would be pure. We pray for the messengers, that their lives would be sustained and that you would give them prevailing grace, that you would help them fight sin and, and that the evil one would not prevail. We pray that there would be endurance through persecution and trials and temptations of every kind around us. We pray for the the big picture mission that you would continue to move in your power to redeem people from their sins. It's going to be a beautiful tapestry of people in the end, and Lord, we look forward to it. We pray that you would come quickly. We look forward to that day. Until then, we pray that we would press on and endure for the sake of Christ, our captain. Lord, missions is is the primary endeavor, endeavor of the church, and so we pray that we would make disciples, teaching, baptizing. We pray, Lord, that you would be Lord of all, you are Lord of all, and that in the hearts of men that they, they would treat you as such and honor you and, and that they would worship you and give you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.